Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome and good evening to Believe in Vikings with BMAC Baker. I am your host, Austin Baker. I'm here with Brian McKinney, who won a Super Bowl with the other purple team, the Baltimore Ravens. And tonight we have Sally from Minneapolis and Ron from Eden Prairie, the usual four, four folks that's going to go over this Viking stuff. I've got bad news. The Vikings are not mathematically eliminated from the postseason, but for practical purposes, they'd have to win four of their next five to get to the playoffs. And I don't feel like a team that will do that because of all of their tomfoolery late in the first half and late in the second half of games. Therefore, we're going to cover all of that and more with the group tonight. That's what we got on the docket, a Vikings analysis show. First, we're going to talk about betonline.ag because that's what we do. BetOnline is back and it's better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines are over there than ever before. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile site to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use this promo code BLEAV50, believe 50, to receive that bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Through 13 weeks in the NFL season, we have a real humdinger for the Vikings, a team that I thought would be talented and at least a fringe playoff team. Doesn't feel like that right now. They've showed flashes of being good, but mostly it's a bunch of collapses in the most meaningful parts of games. And therefore, we are probably on the final march to a a new head coach, barring some four, five game win streak, which doesn't really feel possible right now. So I want to take the pulse and the emotions of the group. And Ron, I'm going to start with you. What are your emotions about probably about to embark on a new head coach for the first time in eight years? I mean, I, I don't think I've ever uh, been more open to it um, than I have, and it's been kind of trending that way all season, just some of the repeated mistakes that are happening. Um, for me, I look at this team, and I don't see it as uh, necessarily a lack of talent. Um, there are, I mean, there, there are holes, obviously, that they can fix, um, but I think the glaring weakness that's holding this team back is has been the coaching staff, and I think as of now, that would be uh, – uh, the one thing I think that could swing a lot of these games. Um, I mean, you don't play every game that you lose in uh, being a one possession game without there being coaching mistakes. And and so that might be why they stand out a little more, but, you know, a play here, or there, I know it could also go a play here, or there, the other way. And, you know, we lose the lions, we lose to the Panthers, but there's just been a lot of repetitive 
um, things happening that shouldn't happen in a coach in year eight, maybe a rookie coach. Um, but so, you know, I like Zimmer as a man. I, you know, wish him well, but I think his time with the Vikings has uh, come to an end here at the end of the season. Sally, you haven't been as pro Zimmer as Ron and I have been at all. And so you probably don't feel great about it, but you're, you're pretty, pretty vindicated here in these recent weeks. So I want to say kudos to you for being right all of this time. <laughs> oh, um, what, thank you. feels great. What are your emotions on these five and seven Vikings and the potential for a new head coach in the next six, seven weeks? <laughs> I, do, I don't know if it's me freezing or you. Is it me? No, we think we're good Can now. Can you hear me? Yeah, oh, okay. You for phrasing on me. Um, so I kind of missed what you said there. Um, and I'm just kidding. I do not want to be right. I always hope <laughs> that I'm wrong in these situations. I really do. Um, how I feel about it. Um, I'm really grateful, uh, to Mike Zimmer for giving me one more Packers victory at It's not a total loss if you beat the Packers, um, but you know I think I've I've mourned his exit um, a while ago. I'm ready to get this show on the road, um, and yeah, I wish him well. As also, I think it seems to me also. I mean, I know what's happening right now is extremely frustrating, but I think I've kind of seen this year starting in the beginning of the year with all of the COVID things that he just didn't really seem like his heart was as in it as before. You know, he's mentioned being a grandfather several times, and I really would just like to see him be able to enjoy life. He's a really hardworking guy, and I just, uh, I, I think he just seems really defeated. BMAC, you were part of two Vikings coaching changes. Can you feel it coming or not really as a player? I can feel it coming, and um, I won't be mad at it. Um, <clears throat> just like, you know, you remind me, we just had our coaching change. Mm-hmm. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind uh, the Vikings having one and bringing maybe a new resurgent of energy in and uh, even somebody like Eric Bianabi, you know, give him a chance or something like that, and, let, and let's see how it goes. Be Mac, is that something like with when Childress was there, he was an older coach. Um, and Tice, I guess, in a way, being uh, I'm not gonna say he's younger, but he's younger than Childress, obviously. Is there a difference in that kind of an older coach where it seems like maybe his time has passed him, like with in the chili style, where what, what might be happening here with Zimmer? I think so. Sometimes I feel like sometimes uh, those coaches, you know, when they're older, can tend to get stuck in their ways and don't want to like, um, kind of change with times. Right. And sometimes you have to because things have just evolved. I mean, look at the quarterbacks. are totally different style quarterbacks now from when I was in there. Um, so I think coaches get stuck in their way. It's like, well, my ways always work, so it should still work this way, you know? But some <laughs> things you got to make adjustments for. Mm-hmm. And I feel like some people get a little stubborn. That's the That's been the rub here. So gradually, since the start of 2018, the offensive side of the Vikings operation has gotten better and more consistent. And outside of some vanilla stretches of play calling, it's become an offense team, especially with the talent. And most of us, and I think even Sally assumed that the Zimmer defense would follow suit 
And that was the goal to get a offense that was consistent. That wasn't flash in the pan, like a Keenum type of thing with that patented Zimmer defense. And unbeknownst to most of us, the Zimmer defense just kind of petered out and it's injured and whatnot, but that doesn't, that doesn't work two years in a row for excuses. So we're stuck with this talent on offense. Um, a lot of big names on defense that can't stay healthy and they haven't gelled because they had never been good at the same time outside of 2017. What's weird about that too, is you look at like Zimmer still shows like a lot of his ability and knowledge of being able to scheme things and, like, you know, I go back to the, a couple of years ago in the Saints game, in the playoff game, where we hadn't seen Griffin and Hunter on the inside at all. Then in that game, he breaks it out. And, like, there are little things he does from time to time using um, the way he uses Harry, for example. And, obviously, Harrison Smith is a Hall of Fame-type player, so it's easy to do that. But he has that in him. But it's weird to see then a fourth – or not a fourth down, but a two-second play where you're – or the whole drive, three-man pressure. Like, stuff like that where – what happened? Like, is he missing? Like, or is he playing it too safe because he's too afraid to lose? And like, sometimes he looks like great, like a great mind. And then other times it's like, what are you doing? I I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, I don't like the injury excuse at all, but you know, because every team has injuries, but I will say the Vikings have had a disproportionate amount of injuries, I would say, especially on defense. So um, I, I do think if they weren't dealing with, um, those issues at such an extreme rate, it would be substantially better. Unfortunately, though, I don't think we'll ever find out. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it just sucks that things have kind of had to end this way. Yeah, it's funny to, to your injury point. I don't know. I think I can't remember as you or someone else that tweeted out, Dustin, I'm talking to you, uh, where this will be the first game on Thursday that uh, Pierce – uh, Pierce uh, Tomlinson. That was, that was Barr, Rick Sosa. Or, yeah, like where like the list of the players that are playing together for the first time, like it's it's kind yeah. of funny because you look at that and they are impact players, but um yeah, I mean again, it's sometimes like Cam Bynum's another example that comes to mind. Like he came in and played great, and then one he disappears because for whatever reason Zimmer doesn't want to play him, or like why does that happen once and then all of a sudden things are back to normal. I, so for me, it's perplexing to see because you see what he's good at, but for some reason it's not sustainable for a 60 minute game. Well, and it's also the, the time mismanagement still eight years later, (laughs) it's not knowing it's using timeouts two times in a row or using timeouts when Detroit should be using, doesn't have any timeouts. Like it's just, I don't understand how these issues are still happening game after game after game. And it's eight years in, you know? Yeah. Or the Um, biggest, like lately now the chasing points early where I have no problem going for two, but it seems like (laughs) like two point conversions are supposed to have like a handful of great plays that you run that you're ready to go. And we suck at it. They've got one this year. One, (laughs) right. One for seven. uh, that that Wang Wu uh, like end around or whatever that to me is like a second and nine play, not a get two yards. Like you go right behind the offensive line if you're going to run it. I don't understand that the only, at all. The only one that worked was against the Packers, and that was Madison. And I, yep. I I I looked it up, and I think we're one for seven two point conversions, <laughs> which is inexcusable. It's supposed to be your best go to money play. Um, after or before before the Dallas Cowboys game. I think week one through eight through Halloween, the Vikings for the analytics estimated points added had the sixth best defense in the world, in the business, despite the second uh, or the end of the first half junior meltdowns. And since then they've been 30th 
which is, let's see, third worst in the business. So Daniil Hunter meant a lot to this team. It is, it's not like a, a tip of the hat to anybody because you should be able to have depth to replace a dude. And they're just it's, this is like a 2020 rerun. And it, we're just so used to it now that it's kind of like, what the heck happened, all these damn injuries. But uh, I wrote about this for Vikings territory, and it's the most interesting thing that I will watch for however many more weeks. Um and I think that the listeners should monitor this to the utmost because the, the future of this football team depends on the decision that is made about Rick Spielman. It's a foregone conclusion to most of the Vikings world that this is uh, Zimmer's last stand, these final six games. But there is extreme mystery on whether or not Spielman goes with him or not. Some think they're tied at the hip, that they're pals, and they're both going. Some thinks that Spielman will pick the next head coach. And if indeed Spielman stays in charge, then we're probably going to go get a coach that can win with this group. If it's the anti-Spielman, then that probably means a trade of the quarterback, a trade of the older guys, maybe keep Jefferson, Derrissaw, O'Neal, and the young dudes, and start afresh. The thing that's weird about this offense is, is that it's pretty darn young. It's one of the youngest offenses in the league. The only things that old all about it are Cousins and Thielen, even they're not terribly old. So on the Spielman topic, that is the, that's the hinge. That's the swivel of all of this. Sally, do you expect Rick to be jettisoned? I really don't know how I feel about this. I think we've talked about this before. Um, I can see it going both ways. I'm not convinced that they're tied at the hip at all. Um, from what I understand, the Wilfs um, think extremely highly of Spielman. They have a tremendous amount of trust in him, not only with building the roster, but really overseeing things in general for them since they don't live here locally. And I, I don't think they're attached at the hip at all. I don't think they're a package deal. However, um, I do think for as long as he's been around um, as a general manager and even in the front office before he was officially the general manager and not the um, triangle of authority situation, the success has been, um, <laughs> you know, what there's been three playoff wins total since he's been there. Um, so, or maybe four. Uh, however, um, I mean, two with Zimmer. I, I just, I personally am in the camp that I, I'm not going to pretend I know the answer to all these major roster decisions, like what to do with cousins. Do you extend them? Do you trade them? Do you pay them what you owe them this year? Which I don't know how they're going to manage that. I'm, I don't know what the Daniel Hunter contract situation answer is. I don't know what any of, any of things, I don't have any answers on that stuff. I just know that I want someone coming in here and hiring a new coach and then being on the same playing field. No, it's not. Rick Spielman knows that his job is kind of in, in flux. He needs to do a really great job with this draft or he might be gone in two years. I want someone that's completely unbiased and just coming in and trying to set the best roster for the future of this team, making the decision. I don't know if that's going to happen. I would probably lean towards no. I think Zimmer's going to be the scapegoat. BMAC, you uh, have stories about Spielman and whatnot, but this is his ninth year in full uh, control. And like Sally said, he's been in the mix for authority since about 2006. So, or at least that's our interpretation. Uh, do you think this is his last stand, or do you think he's done enough with roster development to stick around? I think, um, I definitely think he's towards his end. I don't know if he's finished or not yet. I mean, if you look back 20 years this time, 20 years ago, everybody kind of got cleaned out as a new team coming in um, 20 years ago. So I could see that, like, you know, recreating itself and there being a whole new team coming in for the 
2022 season. Because remember, that was my rookie year. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody was new. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's what we got. New coach. It was a new coach that year. Um, the team was pretty much new. It was a whole bunch of new free agents. So maybe that's what we'll get this season. So Wrong. refresh my memory. They fired. So when Childress was the coach, he also had roster decision capabilities, correct? That was the triangle of authority was the owners, Childress, and uh, and um, a general manager. Well, not a call it a general manager, but vice president of operations or whatever, right? Right. Is that how it was? Oh, I don't know who called the shot. I know <laughs> when Randy got traded, that he wasn't allowed to do that without talking to, to the owners. Right. So, like, after Childers got fired, I believe the hierarchy changed. Mm-hmm. And so then it was more of a tradi- of the system that we see now. So, mm-hmm. um, Anyway, I don't remember where I'm going with that. Somebody else step in. I had a point that I lost. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back. Uh, Ron, so in order for BMAC's hypothesis to come to life, it would have to mean Spielman's fire because he's not going to clean house all on his own because he'd have to admit that every decision he made was garbage. Um, so do you foresee he makes it out alive and picks the new head coach and makes the cousin's decision? Or do you think that he goes too? So I do think that Spielman um, stays. And I think he does have at least a little bit more time. Um, and I think it's to your point of this team has enough pieces around it, where if you sprinkle in free agency and draft picks, they can compete again next year. Um, you know, with the quarterback, assuming it's not 45 million and they can spread that out. And I think in looking at the team, they're set up to be able to make some moves. Obviously if Rogers and Adams leave green Bay too, that leaves the division open because Justin Fields ain't coming in and taking it. Jared Goff may beat us, but he's not coming in and, and winning the division. So um, that would factor in, in my mind, um, as part of it, because the division would be wide open. Um, but then also, the, if you look at the stable teams around the league, like the like the Vikings, for one, like they're never super bad where they have to clean house. And obviously, they're never super good where everyone gets rewarded on it. But uh, they're always right in that the middle range where they're better than it's, you know, the common man, they're the lousiest of the best, the best of the lousiest, you know, it's, that's what they are, but at least they keep us stringing along, strung along for the entire season for the most part. Um, but you look at the teams that are consistently bad, the jets, the, you know, the Texans now in that mold, like they constantly have turnover and it's always a mass overhaul. And that to, in my mind is never really the right way to do it. Cause you bring in everyone new. Now you're looking at some of these younger players, and like, maybe they do get moved, but in reality, if you're building a team and you have, you know, Brian O'Neill, he just locked up Daniel Hunter, who, you know, you gave him that extension that can be played with um, Justin Jefferson, these other young guys, like, what's the point of coming in if you're just going to trade them? Like, cause then you are, you're the jets or you're the now Texans. So I think a balance of bringing in a coach that can win now with these guys, whether that is, it doesn't, mean it has to be a 50 some year old you know doug peterson um that type but you can bring in a young guy like the rams mold where the unknown mcveigh and he's elevated the offense to being uh considered an elite offense over the past few years so i think that um is the most likely scenario um but i think that it's not going to be spielman having free reign of doing what he wants i think it's going to be more so the wilfs um, making the decisions, but giving Spielman kind of the power of attorney type <laughs> phrase uh, to do it. So 
Um, it's not necessarily what um, I hope, although that it, I do hope that we have some sort of continuity, but I think that with Zimmer gone, um, that would be the most likely way to keep a competitive team for 2022. Well, follow that because I'm telling you to every single person that listening, that, that determines everything. Um, it's like the, it's will, it's like a choose your own adventure. Like you're going to go one way. You're going to go the other, uh, Sally on various shows in the past, you've kind of had the, uh, philosophy on cousins where you think he's pretty good, but he's certainly not the savior. And I, there's a lot of folks in the camp that would want to explore a trade of him. And even felt that way before this year began, um, in terms of the pro trade cousins, like people that want to get rid of cousin, this work, this season has worked out beautifully for that. Because the Vikings are five and seven, even though by every single metric in the world, uh, Cousins is in the top 10 somehow. So now it seems like he would be an asset to trade elsewhere to the Broncos or the Steelers or a team that thinks that they can win with a decent offensive line and whatnot. So I want to know, do you think that he will actually be traded? Um, I agree with you. I think that it's really hard to to guess on that until you know what the front office situation is going to be, if it's going to be Rick Spielman or not. I think if it's going to stay Rick Spielman, he will most likely try for more of a win now scenario um, to keep his job for years going forward. And so I think it's likely he'll be restructured and extended and stay with the Vikings. Um, But I think it's going to depend on the philosophy in the office. If, if it's not Rick Spielman, are they going to try to sell him off to the highest bidder and just acquire picks for the future? Um, Or will they have a certain price in mind that is worth it for them? To me, if you're, if your plan is to bottom out and start fresh, then you kind of take what you can get. I mean, it's just too unknown for me right now to say, but you're absolutely right that I think his stock has definitely risen um, and there's going to be more opportunities than we may have thought. And who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thought (laughs) that we would have this dude has 26 touchdowns to three picks and, Mm -hmm. and we're like, good. Now we can trade the guy. Like you would have thought if they were five and seven about to miss on the playoffs, that cousins would have been 17 touchdown, 12 picks and having a poor year. But it's so strange that like he's just good. And we, we think that we want to start fresh. And so that's, that's another one to watch. Bryant, do you think that cousins is, is the dude of the next couple of years, or do you think the, the trade will be explored on him? I think at this point, the trade should be explored. I mean, why keep putting the fans through the same thing and saying the same, like, let's get somebody here new. Let's even try to draft somebody or something and have them around for, you know, good, eight to 10 years or something like that. It's like, just start fresh with everything at this point. All right, Ron. So he wants to, you know, press the, the full reset button. I don't know if, if Bryant wants a rebuild, but he, in the three big positions, quarterback, GM, coach, it sounds like he's here. He's here to see systemic change. So I know you're probably not in the camp that throws cousins out the dish water, but do you think that he will be traded? So I think to Sally's point, it all depends on the general manager. Um, it's, I mean, I think now it's more likely um, that he would get traded. Um, then obviously he's not going to be cut because you're not going to eat 45 million just to eat it. Um, but you know, there are a lot of teams that would absolutely love to have Kirk on their team. I mean, imagine putting him in, uh, in Pittsburgh, um, you know, with that defense, um, like, and the, their coaching, they're obviously, they would be contending type team. Um, San Francisco, there's a laundry list of teams that would line up at the door for him. Now, then my question to the Vikings fans that do want him gone, if there are other teams that would absolutely knock down the door to get him, 
why isn't this fan base excited to have him in that regard? Because our roster, minus you take the quarterback situation out of it, is better than the Broncos. Um, it, there's a lot of teams out there that he would be linked to that were better than, but yet the fan base that wants him gone, well, that the Broncos would be a great fit because it would put them in contention. Well, we're a better team in my mind than the Broncos, um, like running back, wide receiver, defense, when healthy. So they would agree that he's a contending quarterback on that team, but not on this team. So it goes back to people just don't like him, which again, he's very polarizing. Uh, but in my mind, it's um, especially in looking at the draft boards as they're starting to come together. Now, what I hate is when I see people like, well, this quarterback class sucks. So, you know, it's a two year rebuild. Well, what fan wants their team to just go three and 14 in a, in a year? Like, you know, the Jets live with that. I keep ripping on the Jets because that's just the way it is. Uh, but no team would want that. So even if you're looking for a quarterback in 2023, then why can't that be, you know, with Kirk this year and then draft one in 2023 and see how it plays out? Like, don't just get in a Christian Ponder mode where, oh, we got to take one, so we got to take one. And then they just fall flat. Um, so... I, I'm all for upgrading the quarterback position if it's there, but I'm not one that would want to take a step back just to take a step back because I don't think that does anything. I think in the NFL, any team can win. Any team can, you know, you know, you can limp into the playoffs and you can make a push, but I'd much rather watch a competitive Vikings team in December than not a good team. And even now at five and seven, um, they, could potentially give us something exciting to look for only to let us down again in January. Uh, but <laughs> well, uh, you've been watching a competitive team into December year after year, after year, after year. And that's what you keep getting though. Right. That's what's And I also want to know how reset. do you, how do you upgrade what situation is going to happen where they're going to have an option to upgrade the quarterback position? Well, that's what I mean. Like it's obviously if you, you know, Deshaun Watson, there's options out there. Now I'm not, I don't know if those guys are, would be available or what the team would be looking for, but I mean, in the sense of just scrapping everything, taking what you can in draft picks and then rolling with Kellen Mond or another unknown rookie, like people act like the rookie quarterbacks are guaranteed to, to be great. But look at this year, everyone clan, I'm not taking a shot at you, Sally, but the Justin Fields, like Justin Fields, even like a lot of it's probably Nagy, but he hasn't looked very good. Trevor Lawrence, this surefire prospect, hasn't looked very good. The best one has been Mac Jones, um, who we probably could have had, but you know, either way, he would. It's Bill Belichick. You know, like if he was that great, would he would he have thrown only three times on uh, on Monday? So um, I just sure. don't like the. I don't know if that's a fair assessment, though. I mean, these guys have been playing for one year, and the reason they were drafted as in the positions they were is because they're going to bad teams. So, like, I don't know if that's necessarily like fair. Yep, I absolutely agree. Like, it's but it. I'm saying in the sense that the the new young thing may not always work out. Like, you look at in a year, no, it's not going to. Like, if they were to go that route, they're not going to be relevant for two, three years. That's just what you would have to accept. Right, and I. I personally would rather see us, whether it's a bridge quarterback or not, I'd rather see us have some sort of competency, um, you know, while developing a young quarterback, because otherwise, you know, then you do have to go or look into that full reset mode where now you may be looking to get rid of Jefferson, you know, when he's in the last year of his deal and these young guys that rather than wanting them wanting to stay for the long haul. Now it's like, well, we just went three and 14, two and 15, whatever. Now I want out. We uh, so that's what I want to avoid. All of 
each one of us, all of us in the call, we don't have any experience with the Vikings rebuild. They've never no, done it. And none. so, so that's never... why I don't know why we can say, well, I'd rather be relevant. You don't know what the answer is to bottoming out. We've, yeah, we've never we, seen it. When we flirted with it with Ponder, we still had Adrian and he was good enough single-handedly to take us to the postseason. So we've never, I mean, a rebuild would have been selling him somewhere and then really getting garbage. And then who knows uh, what you would have done without him. Uh, but it, it'll be a new phenomenon to see how fans react because and I've started following and being a fan in 96 and there's never been a true blue rebuild. It's always find a veteran quarterback and do the thing. And I don't know it's been fun, uh, but we're still Super Bowl. This I can answer. Has your- it been? Oh yeah, I think has it has. it been fun? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, on the Cousins thing about going to Broncos and being an upgrade there or being an upgrade in Pittsburgh, uh, the reason that we would be willing to let him walk away is because the perception is, is we've gotten as far as we can with him. Um, like Brian has talked about a full change of scenery is what the mentality would be because right now, whether Zimmer was the problem or cousins of the problem or married together, they're the problem fans at a surface level will look at it and say, we can only get to the playoff once in three years with cousins. And then therefore he can't win here. I think that is how it would be easy to offload him to another franchise. But you, I don't think you can paint that same picture when you have a new coach, then it's not the same thing anymore you know what i mean well, like no, I, who gives a shit what the fans think they're not well that's that's, that's my clientele um <laughs> no so. i'm saying as far as the as the team goes like it, it yeah. you can't i don't think it's fair to cousins or anybody else to say oh you've only gotten to the playoffs with him you know the one time or whatever it's time for him to go when he's gonna have a new coach well, now that's surely like gonna be us. an offensive minded coach it's good, so that's not fair well, I, I'm, you know, step in my no, office. No, I know you're not saying it. I'm just saying, you know, like, be consistent, Yeah. fan base. Bryant, uh, the Steelers are on the docket tomorrow night, in fact. At this time, we'll be at about the third quarter. Um, Do you have any Pittsburgh or Steeler memories that you can think of? Can interrupt for just a second to talk about Lightbox. Uh, say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the best, brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue as well as the classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Price so they won't have to. They really do make an outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add your sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. Um, yeah, I've always felt like I, I like playing against them. Um, the very few times I played with, against them as a Viking. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of runners with them as a Raven. Um, oh, yeah. They're, they're pretty much always like pretty much a a hard-nosed football team, you know what I mean, that you got to really come there and be ready to play because they're pretty physical. Can you compare Ravens-Steelers to Vikings-Packers? That's basically the same similarity for them. That's their rival. When I first got to um, Baltimore, that was the game that everybody told me, like, basically when I got to um, Minnesota, it's like, we don't care who else, but make sure you take down the Steelers. So that's definitely their rivalry for sure. Okay, so you got some of that – Steelers hatred lingering like you do with the Packers, at least. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like not as bad. Probably the Packers probably a little worse, but good um, for longer. But uh, 
but it's definitely still a thing there too. Okay. Uh, Ron, the, the Vikings by most math, if they win four out of these five, which pretty much means they lose at Green Bay because that will happen. Um, if they win four out of these five games, in theory, they would be in the postseason the way that this NFC is trending. If they dink around and only win three out of the five, they're going to have to get help from Washington, San Francisco, and maybe Philadelphia losing. But my question is, you know, that's how we get motivated to watch these games and think there's a glimmer of hope. Do you even care? That, that those scenarios are out there? I mean, yes, in the sense that I will always want them to win until they mathematically can't get in. Um, I think, you know, even in, I remember that year when Jared Allen was going for the sack record and I think they had three or four wins or whatever. Like, I still wanted them to win, even though there was nothing on the line. Like, and, you know, it cost us, what, RG3, but RG3 wasn't the best quarterback drafted by that team that year. Um, it's, Ooh. uh, there, <laughs> um, it's, so, Oh, I, burn. <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, ironically, we ended up with the better one of that draft class for him. So, um, it's, I, I will, will always want them to win because I stranger things have happened. Um, you know, going back to that year that we limped into the playoffs and, we all actually wanted Christian Ponder to play, but he couldn't. And Joe Webb had to be oh, yeah. um, like those type of things where I would rather have that chance to see extra football from the Vikings in, uh, in the playoffs if possible. So until they're eliminated, I won't root for a loss. Now, when they get eliminated, I'm happy to watch the young guys play, get development and hopefully lose to get that draft stock. But unless you're the difference between 14 and 10, let's say, um, I mean, this year would have been, you know, Rashawn Slater to Fields, like one of those type of guys. But uh, um, typically, there's not much of a difference. And if you want to move up, you can. Um, so unless you're truly, you know, a one in sixteen operate, one in seventeen operation, whatever it is, um, you're not in contention for a top three to five spot, anyways. So um, yes, I want to see them win. Um, I guess you know you said they will lose at Lambeau, and at this point in the, in the year, losing to Detroit, <laughs> I will never. Never say uh, that they what will happen will happen because, man, this team is an enigma right now. It's the, there's some weird things going on there. Sally, I know you'll be cheering for the team to run it to win on Thursday night football, and then the week after that, the week after that. But um, if they, you know, if if you keep in the back of your head that they need to win four out of five to get in the playoffs, does that does that do anything for you? Or are you like just roll your eyes and say, really, you're talking about the playoffs? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, of course, of, of course, I want them to win. I'm not going to be one of those people that roots against them. However, I have in the last year or so been able to find the humor in losing the humor in the ways that they do end up blowing games at the end. Like, you know, what are you going to do about the way they lost to Detroit? Like you saw it coming a mile away, right? Like, I'm not going to let that ruin my day anymore. However, I think there's a huge difference in rooting for a team like that. Um, t- was it 2013 team? or 2012, 2012 team when Adrian, you know, mm-hmm. got comeback player of the year in the MVP, there was a huge difference in rooting for that team to get into that wild card that you knew really didn't have a chance to go anywhere and, a, and really getting super high behind this team, getting limping in and getting a wild card that doesn't have a chance to go anywhere. At least I feel like 
um, because this team had much higher expectations. This team had expectations that they should be able to get at least one playoff win, that they should be able to compete for the Packers for, for the division that it should, you know, and so because of that, they're not living up to their expectations. So what's the point of just limping in and having a playoff appearance? It's really, to me, it's, it's just not enough. So I don't necessarily need to see that. Um, but as far as the Packers did, I mean, they might have a buy wrapped up by the time the Vikes go to Lambeau. <laughs> so they might very well win that game. The, um, <laughs> we'll say, so, you know, being at the Vikings show, this could be a little salt on the wound, but, uh, breaking news, uh, Daniel Carlson just signed a four year, 18 and a half million dollar deal <laughs> with the Raiders. So, um, got it froze. Bag. I oh, didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Oh, say it Dan, again. D- the Raiders signed Daniel Carlson to a four year, 18 and a half million dollar extension. So, Did that. um, mm. so well, good for him, you know? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe that's one of those where Spielman saves himself, but Zimmer costs like Zimmer seeing himself <laughs> out the door. So that could, that could be, <laughs> well, and before I forget, I do want to correct myself on something I said earlier. Um, we talked, I brought up how many, um, playoff win, wins that Rick Spielman has, and you were correct. He did join in 2006. So he does only have three wins, the one in 2009 and then, um, the, uh, 2017 and then 2019. So that is, I can't do math. You guys, how many years is that? 14 years, 14, yeah. Four, or, so, well, no, 15 seasons, 15. Okay. I don't know if we can give him credit for 26, 2006, because he came in halfway. Uh, But so 15 seasons and three wins. Um, That doesn't necessarily look great. And then um, also I want to say the first round buys, but yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. (laughs) Um, And then I did want to correct the triangle of authority thing. I said um, that was the coach, the GM and um, Rob, Brzezinski, uh, actually, I can never say that correctly, um, who actually didn't have a roster decision. So it's kind of a deceiving name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to clear that up. So, um, but anyways, wh- what were we saying next? The, I wanted to point out to our listeners that the bittersweet part is if I know there's a, I know there, I, I, list, I interact with them every day. There's tons of folks, especially the young crowd that wants this team to win the next five and get in the playoffs and rah, rah, they can make some noise, which could happen, you know, in this really interesting alternate universe. But if they do, they're going on the road to Tampa or on the road to green Bay. Like, mm-hmm. and then if, if, if things get a little weird, that means they go to Arizona. Uh, so it's going to be one of those large Titans of industry that you would go to. And I can't even in my like wildest dreams, can't imagine that they would go beat Brady or Rogers on the road. A, with a nine and eight record. I mean, Mm-mm. it would have to be a complete change of how they do things like starting tomorrow night. And that would have already happened by now. So I'm exactly like Ron, of course, I'm going to go and scream like a little kid tomorrow night and hope they win. But it's, it's a matter of just clinging on to the excitement of what a playoff game would bring just for my own, like, yeah, sweet. The Vikings got in the playoffs, yeah. but the expectations are are done. Speaking of tomorrow night, Bryant is a uh, Flo Rida, a close personal friend of yours. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's performing at the halftime show. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I did either. I, I just saw it today. I didn't like. I didn't realize it was actually. Uh, I wasn't. I didn't know what to think of it when I saw it. If it was real or not, but yeah. Yeah, it's real. It's real. <laughs> just for the heck of it, it's prime time or something. I'm 
Yeah. Oh, oh look at this. Yeah, look at text this. him. Get on that private jet, Brian. Come hang out tomorrow. <laughs> this, this is a cool this is a cool moment in the history of the show because we said, hey, the halftime performer Flo Rida is gonna be there. And Brian says, let me text him. This is all on live right on live air. I know. None of us should, have the clout to do that. Should have brought well, it up right away. We should have had him on if, if he if he joins us like Kelly did, then you know then, uh, Well, I um, knew right away. I was when I saw it, I was like, I bet Brian's friends with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does. I was just um, with him at the game last week. We went to the Dolphin game last week, and I, I ran into him. I bet you're going to hang out with oh. him tomorrow night. Speaking of which, when are you flying up? I was going to come. I actually going to leave today, but then things happened at UM that I had to be down there yesterday and today that I didn't. So now that I know he's going, I might try to come. Oh, okay. <laughs> just exactly. Start scrambling tomorrow morning and see how the chips right. fall. I wish I was that cool. Just yeah, maybe I'll fly out there in the morning. If I've you do never... make it up, you got to come out and uh, and join us at the because I'll be I'll be joining Sally at the tailgate. So if you make it up, uh, gotta 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 come join us. I've never seen them do a halftime performance. No, that's why I'm like I'm when you guys first said that I'm like are are they is this something they read from like a parody account because they never have. Did you guys perform at halftime? Did he perform at halftime? Not at the Viking stadium. Oh no, it was no, it was a, I thought it was the Ravens and the Vikings, but I think it was somebody else. We usually have like a, a military thing. Or... Yeah, we've had dogs. They had like a prince. They had a prince tribute um, with like an orchestra, but it wasn't a like live performance. I would think I was there for that one too. I remember that. And like they, it turned purple inside and everything, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, but this, the Vikings, it's on the Vikings Instagram that okay. Florida is performing. So it, it must be the primetime thing because that's, they certainly don't do that at noon games. I'm with you. They usually do like, gimmick stuff like you know you salute the heroes or dog frisbee and that kind of stuff yeah i'm a big which fan is pretty of the dog sweet. frisbee yeah <laughs> uh, so. Mac, in case i forget you've only really been a part of a couple i wouldn't say shitty teams but teams that were not going to make the playoffs in the last few weeks of the season probably 2010 of course arguably 2002 um is it just a matter of pride at that point or playing spoiler how do you get motivated for oh you're definitely playing spoiler um at that point because you realize you're out of it so like now we're going to try to ruin other people's chances yeah (laughs) well yeah we might be there if we can't win tomorrow night at home we're definitely going to be spoiling justin fields and spoiling the rams yeah it's well let me ask you this. You think if they do get mathematically eliminated, do you think that they will rest starters? At least some of them. Oh boy. If they lose tomorrow to night, me, and... I feel like give, give Kellen Mond at least a little, I know he seems like he's not developed at all and you don't want him to get killed, but you also don't want Kirk to maybe get hurt either. Yeah, no, I so... would, people will be surprised to hear me endorse that, but, if we lost this week and we lost some Monday night football and we're staring at five and nine, I would 100% say, yeah, let's see what Mon's got for the rest of the way. Yeah. That's how I feel too. Cause yeah. I mean, what if one of your key guys ends up with the major injury? Yeah. Like Jefferson for or a meaningless game. Yeah. Yeah. It would, it would be a real surrender to do that, but uh, you know, for the optics, anyhow, it would be smart uh, just to see what you got, especially with Mond, because I really don't know what the plan is with him. I don't, I, they took him for a reason. And I mean, he didn't look like terrible during the preseason. Uh, he looked like he could grow into the role, but yeah, if we got to that point and I don't want us to where we're five and nine, five and 10, then you might as well. I mean, it'll hurt Kirk's feelings to be benched, but we're all, all feelings of ours are hurt right now. 
I think too, but if you do bring in Mon, which I'm again all for, if we're out of it, we have no shot. See what you have in all these young guys. But I still think you still have to play, you know, the Jefferson, uh, yeah. like because you can't throw Mond out there without Darisaw, without yeah. um, Jefferson, and yeah. be like, here, here's Ole Udo, <laughs> like go get killed. Um, here we'll bring up Dakota Dozier. Like, good luck. Um, you got to give him at least a fair shot too. Um, which That's again true. could be refreshing yeah. either. Because either he looks the part, and then all of a sudden now there's some talking points over the offseason, or it's yeah he's not ready, and uh, we got to figure something else out. So, um, but either way, you got to find out what you have. What do you and guys? Maybe make- Wyatt Davis will play. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys make of um, Dalvin being questionable on the injury report? I think it's more of like just a gamesmanship type thing. I don't think I don't see him playing at all on Thursday. Um, potentially, you know, if they were to beat Detroit and win tomorrow, maybe the following week, but why, you know, what 10, 11 days after taking the hit or whatever it is, like there's zero reason whether you're a bad team or in the playoff hunt to throw them out there. The- Especially with Madison has shown he can handle the load as a starter. I uh, I know no like with a wink wink that the plan was to have him ready for Chicago and that but that was under the pretense that we would have beat the Lions. Um, I just happened to get that information that that was the plan because you know when when that injury happened, we thought you know he's going to be gone and we're doing the Madison show, but they they were waiting to see or they are waiting to see if he's worth bringing back. I expect if they lose tomorrow night, I expect him to have the surgery or whatever, but yeah, it was supposed to be a, a redux of 2019 where you remember he got hurt down the stretch, brought him back for new Orleans and won that game. Um, but yeah, that was the plan to ha- hopefully have him ready by Chicago. So perhaps they'll convince themselves that if they maybe beat the Steelers ass tomorrow, then, then the season is back on track um, because you have to realize that Zimmer's operating under all of these last gas scenarios. You know, he needs to get to the playoffs and then make this run that's never happened before from a five and seven team. Sally, what's your segment for the group tonight? Well, I want Brian to talk more about this uh, coaching thing because oh, he yeah. seems very excited about it. Let's hear it. Oh, yeah. uh, Coach Mario Cristobal is a two-time national champion, 89 and 91 teams, and he was also there at the GA, GA um, offensive line assistant coach with me in 2001 national championship game. So he has three titles basically on his belt. Um, every time he's been there, he's been a winner. Wait, um, so he was a player for the first two? He was and, a player for the first two, and then he was a coach. A and GA was he a lineman? For, for ours. Offensive lineman. Oh, okay. Awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's another thing, too. He's an offensive lineman. So mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to support him. And then he also helped me a lot. Um, when it came to players like uh, Jamar Reynolds and Alex Brown and Dwight Freeney, and I had matchups against those guys, you know, I, I would ask him to make me a highlight film, and we would watch, we would sit, you know, the night before the game, you know, teammates are over 9.30. I would stay down with him to about 10.50, because I check it, you know, our um, curfew was 11, and we would go over everything, and I'm really trying to sit and study and figure out the offensive line was doing something wrong, the def- if this defensive line was the superhero, you know, really just have all the notes and keys to when I had to play the next day. So he really helps develop players, so he helped me a lot. So he, who did they fire a coach? Manny, Manny Diaz. They let Manny Diaz go. Um, and they allowed him to come back in. And why I like that Mario Cristobal is there is because he understands everything about the University of Miami from being a player to being a coach. He understands the whole swag and everything. He just understands it. A lot of the coaches that came in, 
only could kind of emulate what they thought it was about and they didn't know any of the history and he knows all the history. He was a part of the history. Um, so it, it's good to have that back in the school. Yeah. That's gotta be so great for recruiting too. Oh, absolutely. So, so he, had about different, he was around a lot of different players, especially my class. And then of course the players he played with while he was there. So he can give you more of the history. Like those other coaches, the, like, the past three coaches we had knew nothing about the school's history or anything. So that makes a big difference. Were you like a, a lobbyist to make this happen or? <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was going to happen, but he always had like my vote. Always was, uh, you know, a firm believer in having somebody like himself or even a Bush Davis, somebody like that come back and, um, you know, be at the school. I, I was just ready for, you know, somebody who was familiar with the university to come in and coach there. I feel like that's half the battle with a program like the U it's, the name recognition is there, you, but you got to have someone who understands right. the culture and understands and what brings kids in. Shout out, Kirk, shout out Kirk Herbstreit, because I don't know if y'all seen that number. Kirk Herbstreit really kind of took a jab at the university and said um, their priority isn't football anymore when it used to be. That's what built the school. And by him saying that, I feel like really made him make that turn around because he only said it a couple weeks ago. And I feel like the main people from the school kind of heard that. <laughs> and um, then we lost to Florida State. So then it's like, okay, let's make some changes. I'm sure it'll be helpful too. Like the fact that he was a part of your championship team that the the quick phone call to get you guys back to come in uh, you know, over the summer right. to work out with the kids and like that easy way to recruit, I guess. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, he took my number at the uh, press conference and, and then I met his offensive line coach as well that he's bringing and they just wanted to communicate and, you know, just get some input from me. That's super exciting. It is. Yeah. You never wanted to coach? Not your thing? College, maybe he said. College, yeah. Oh. I, in, in this situation, I, w- I would go back as a graduate assistant or something like that and, yeah. and learn from that standpoint. Um, but I wasn't really um, big on going back with the other coaches who kind of weren't familiar. And I feel like they were, like, a little intimidated of us guys like Ed Reed and Mike Rumpel, you know, everybody who <laughs> were there and kind of knew everything. So I never felt comfortable being there with them. Did Ed Reed like this move? Cause remember he was a little salty when he was on with us. Um, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure he liked it too. Cause he's, okay. uh, he's very um, aware of Omari Cristobal as well. It, it, it's the whole disposition. Um, as well there. So yeah, well, I Ed's, mean, I feel like everybody kind of likes it. Ed said that nobody listened to him. Remember? <laughs> they didn't come to him for nothing. Like, you have me sitting here. You're not asking me nothing about coverages, but you're getting blown. So, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the yeah. first thing. Like, if I'm Cam Dantzler, I'd, hey, what did I do wrong on this play? Like, Why? I'm, not, I'm playing at the goal line. Not <laughs> like, come on, Cam <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ed has to be thrilled. Well, I know, Bryant, we've asked you a million times about um, shuffling players around on the offensive line and playing out of position and how, like, how not ideal that is, but the Vikings, I think this past week really outdid themselves. Wouldn't you guys say with that? Oh my God. Can somebody break it down? For yeah. They need to work out. No, about the usual, but they moved every person, right? Not just, no, well, they've kept Ryan O'Neill organic. They took the guy that was playing right guard, shifted him back to his normal position from four years ago to left tackle. The problem I have with that, though, like, so yes, he was a natural left. No, to start the game because Darisaw was hurt. Um, so yes, Udo played left tackle in college, but he went to Elon. Now, I don't know much about Elon, but Elon's also 
not a big school. Like it's not, he's not at the university of Miami going from right or playing left tackle where he has that. So he's going up against, you know, guys who probably tapped out. So, and it's not like he was dominating at right guard. Like, so I don't understand that at all. And especially when you have Rashad Hill who played the first handful of games there while he struggled in his own, right. <laughs> he at least has the experience. So yeah, like Sally's point, why are you taking guys from one spot, moving them elsewhere, putting Mason Cole at right guard when he was playing center and playing actually well at center. Um, I think those are the things that I don't know why they did it. Maybe it was because it's the lions and like, Hey, we'll try something new, but I mean, if there's one offensive lineman that I don't think the fan base has been happy with, that's Udo. Like, he got Dalvin hurt, essentially, um, and he gets penalties all the time. He hasn't played well. So why would you go and put him at the most important spot on the line? Makes zero sense. And what is going on with Wyatt Davis, where the most NFL-ready guard in the draft is all of a sudden (laughs) the least NFL-ready guard on the Vikings roster? Like, is that a Zimmer thing, or is he just not looking good in practice? I don't even begin to know where to start there yeah it sounds so complicated and that's why i want brian to bryant to weigh in on it because i just feel like the easy solution is you put rashad hill in right but that's it's way too complicated what they did (laughs) right like yeah they took they took the elon left tackle who was playing right guard put him back at left tackle ezra cleveland is a tackle converted to guard they took um garrett bradbury left him in the middle and then put a career center and Mason Cole at right guard. And then the only guy that was untouchable was O'Neal because he's been a right tackle since the jump. So yeah, yeah that whole people, new look for one game. Yeah. Moving people around like that, who have been settled in at a new position, it can be a little different. And then it's like, you throw me in the middle of the game. That's just, I don't ever think that's smart. Shuffling the whole deck. Well, especially when, everyone's playing in a different position. Isn't that really hard to get in sync? But I don't understand why everybody, who, who got injured? One person? Yeah, Darisaw. Christian Darisaw. So why did everybody have to move for one person? <laughs> We're asking you. you yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. So, I don't understand. Yeah, 60% of the line was playing a spot that they didn't they play like before. People, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something I've never heard of before. I do love, um, I'm sure, I'm sure Sal, you saw Mike Tice, his tweet after the game. Like I thought, I thought it was fantastic. He was like, even I didn't lose to no damn lions. Like just, you know. Yeah. Let me word it. Let me read it word for word for (laughs) Brian. It has to have the the right effects here. Um, I got it right here. You can say the word too. I can just mark this as explicit on the platform. Wait, did he delete it? Oh, you guys, he deleted it. Really? Good thing I uh, re- hopefully, my- <laughs> hopefully my retweet is still there. Oh, she screenshots it all. Um, Gosh, why would he delete it? It was such a good tweet. It, it, there wasn't anything <laughs> even bad about it. It was a fact. He he probably was getting way too much attention for it. Um, Let's see. Let's see. That was Sunday. Oh, my gosh. Play me some intermission music. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here he goes. He says, really? Effing Detroit? Even my sorry ass never lost to Detroit. That's <laughs> 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 the point. <laughs> that's what, you, that's what Brian says ass. every show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, sometimes I play Detroit. Like, if I lost one time, it's like, okay. 
<laughs> Even my sorry ass never all caps lost to Detroit. He really did delete it. It got 800 retweets and then he deleted it. <laughs> Sir, the damage has been done. Okay. He probably, it probably started to eat at him that he was taking a shot at a coach. That's my guess. Oh. Yeah, you know, just no. a, a, ma- a, a member of the fraternity of Vikings coach. That's, that's my Brethren. only. I yeah. only guess. Yep. Speculating. Which pro- wasn't probably his intention. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. Just having a good time. All right, guys. Well, I'm hitting the road tomorrow afternoon and sounds like maybe all of you, depending on Bryant, will be yeah, there. Yeah, Bryant. Yep. Did you get a text you, back? I heard you up on the Minnesota and said, yes, sir. Oh. <laughs> you got room for one more? No, you got to go. But All right. Well, that's all we got for tonight. And Skull Vikings. Skull. See you guys tomorrow. Later. Bye. Have a good one. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.